Hi, this is Mark. Hello, this is Matt. And welcome to our podcast, Lessons from the Field, where we talk with staff members from the Austin Independent School District about teaching and learning in our community. Our discussions focus on various education topics and how they impact and empower teachers and students. Well, we are glad you have joined us again for another Lessons from the Field. It's a rainy Friday afternoon in Austin, Texas. We need that rain, but I'm glad it's Friday, Matt. How about you? Yes, I'm really glad that it's Friday as well, Mark. And um, at the time this episode is going to be released, we will be in the month of May. And so we will be getting closer and closer to wrapping up another school year, which is, I think, going to be really exciting. And um, yeah, so we'll see how the summer PL season goes this year. It'll be fun. That's for sure. So I'm real excited about our next guest that we have here with us this morning. Jeff's a former band director colleague, and now he's teaching English at the middle school level. And so, Jeff, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to formally introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Heffler. I am currently a sixth grade English language arts teacher at Paredes Middle School. This is not even my first full year for the past 14 and a half years. I served as a band director in the Austin area and moved to language arts in January. And so, Jeff, where did you teach prior to Austin? So I started, I went to college in New Orleans, and I went to Loyola University, New Orleans. I was actually a Katrina evacuee, so I left for give or take a year. I went back, I finished up my degree. I moved to the Austin area in New Year's of 2007, and I worked in Bastrop ISD. I worked at Cedar Creek Intermediate, Middle, and a little bit at Cedar Creek High School for nine years. I served as an assistant band director there for six, and then was the head middle school director for three years. I then served four and a half years at Paredes Middle School as their head director of bands and just moved over this January. So I'll be real fascinated in the conversation of Matt. I hope we can kind of take this direction. The decision to, to move away from band directing into uh, a different content area, particularly in this current context, I'm fascinated by that. So the, the biggest spark for it is it's a pretty personal one. I have been talking for probably about 10 years about going to grad school about doing something in some form of educational leadership. And I mean, Mark, I know you know this very well. Being a band director, you wear a lot of hats. There are systems responsibilities. There are organizational responsibilities. There are communications and building community responsibilities that a classroom teacher doesn't necessarily have. And I was able to experience a lot of that. But there were a lot of experiences that I had that were just completely foreign to me, that I had never taught a star-tested subject. I had never taught a core curriculum. Um, so after talking to some mentors and after talking to some of my supervisors and kind of getting a feel for what actually going into some sort of a leadership position would be, a lot of the messages that I got were that a lot of times people don't understand unless you're actually in a band program or have a child or have a family member in the program, they don't necessarily understand how involved it is and that sometimes it can be looked at from a, oh cute, you're a music teacher and not necessarily understanding everything that's going into it. But also this gives me just a very different perspective in what it is like. I was able to have a lot of independence as a band director. I was able to form my own curriculum. My No one else on my campus really understood what we did and how we did. And so there was a lot of freedom in that. And there was a lot of opportunity to build our own structures from scratch. But now moving to a different curriculum and having a star test and having something where it is very much in alignment of these are the skills your kids need to know. You still have freedom. You still have opportunity 
communities to be able to put your own approach into it, but these are the standards that we need to address. And so being able to go about it in a very fundamentally TEKS-oriented sort of a teaching approach, it, it's been very eye-opening for me. So thank you for sharing that story, Jeff. And I think it's incredibly admirable for you to, to sort of think in terms of your own professional growth and, and what that's going to look like over the longevity of your career. And that is a really fascinating story. And so I want to kind of open up our conversation today to kind of give you the floor in having you describe sort of what your year looked like for our audience. And it can just be, you know, very general. And then we can kind of just take the conversation from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say as far as my last day of school prior to COVID, our last day of actual in-person instruction was our UIL performance, which is the closest thing a band director has to a star test. It is a concert of three pieces of music. It is then sight reading a piece of music from scratch with seven minutes of silent preparation for the students. Uh, we were able to complete that, took a bus ride home, did not see the kids again for months. So I was thankful to have that opportunity to share with my kids. I was thankful to have that performance with my kids to be able to have something to kind of tie on the end of our time together. But, you know, for myself, I tend to be an act first, think second at, at my nature. So for me, it was we had that Friday off and then my brain immediately went into, okay, I might not be seeing these kids again for a minute. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And then it turned into a, a lot of building curriculum. Even that spring break time, it was just my mindset immediately went to what can we do with our kids? Here are our problems. Not just our kids aren't together, but a lot of our kids are in apartments. Our kids can't make sounds. Our kids, a lot of them have parents that are working nights. A lot of them are just in situations where my entire definition of success was how do you sound on this thing? And let's be very detailed on the qualities of that sound. Okay, now you can't make sound. What can we do to still keep you engaged? What can we still actually provide to you that's going to be some sort of engagement, that's going to be some sort of enrichment that's going to not just improve some sort of skill in your life, but also be something that you're going to enjoy doing. So we just kind of put a library together of, okay, here are things that you can do. Here's 15, 20 activities. Choose your own adventure. Wherever you want to go at this point, go ahead and make that happen. And I was fortunate to work a lot within our fine arts department across campus. A lot of the middle school directors, you know, we communicated very well together. So it was a lot of sharing of ideas. It was a lot of, you know, people who had literacy in blend, which I had no literacy at that point but people who were able to adapt it to the systems that Austin ISD already had in place. And then just a lot of one-on-one -on -one problem solving of, okay, here's what you're able to do. Here are your limitations. How can we make this work? Is playing an instrument feasible? Cool, here's what we can work on. If it's not, all right, here's an alternative that we can do. We still want you to stick it out. We still want you to stay a part of our program, even though there are limitations and even though it looks very, very different. And a lot of that we were able to carry through to the fall semester when we had something a little more tangible in place, a little more, I guess, required of the students in place that we were able to see. And just to try and give students as much grace as possible and keep it as open-ended as we can, where my varsity band class meets at 8.50 in the morning. There are a lot of students who just can't make a sound at 8.50 in the morning. So trying to make it as accessible to them, be it making videos for them to go back and watch later, just kind of give them benchmarks of, okay, hang out with us for a little bit here, get what you can. If you can send us a recording in this week, cool, we can make this work. If you can't 
to a recording, here's an alternative for you to be able to do. I will say, I think instrumental music is probably one of the hardest hit as far as having to adapt for COVID and having to adapt for a virtual learning environment, just because our entire vision of success had to do with everyone performing together, lining that up, be it lining that up in time, lining that up in sound quality, and that's just not possible on a Zoom call. So it turned into a, all right, we're all going to play this and I'm going to hear everyone and I'm going to pick out some individual things versus, all right, now we're going to go one at a time or now you're going to send me a recording and I'm going to send you notes on a Sunday afternoon. So just having to adapt to that and just very fundamentally having to relook at the methodology, which was successful, which works when you can cram 60 kids into one room and being able to adapt that to a more one at a time sort of thing. English language arts, I would say it's very, the primary issue is just being able to make sure kids stay engaged and kids stay on the lesson. I mean, there are just so many barriers between us. Um, my largest class right now has seven students who come in the room and we have about 15 more who are logging in online. And with my kids in the room, I can see, okay, you're working. I can see, I asked a question, four kids are typing, one kid just put his head down. I can do something about that immediately. I can address that as opposed to, I think you're at your computer, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen a letter be typed in in about five minutes. Let me send a message. And it's a lot of multitasking. So it tends to be a lot of my Zoom calls on one laptop. Uh, we have a program called Go Guardian that allows us to see the screens of what most of our students are doing. That's going on a second one. My phone, uh, we use an app called Talking Points to be able to text parents directly. And so it's a lot of, okay, this kid didn't show up. Let me send mom a text. All right, this kid hasn't done anything in 20 minutes. Let me send a text, make sure they're still around. Let me make sure what's going on. That's fascinating, Jeff. So do you miss band directing? I, I detected a, a significant passion as you were telling us about UIL and everything. I do and I don't. Um, <laughs> there are elements of doing it, especially when I was in Bastrop and especially with Paredes. I will say Paredes has a remarkable relationship with Aikens High School. Yes. We always work together very well. So it felt more like a seven-year program. And when you're working with the same student over the course of seven years, you get to know that student very well. And there are students that I have that I worked with for multiple years that it's still, you know, we're emailing back and forth, we're checking in on each other. I think that aspect of it, I missed the most. What I realized, especially at the end of this year, and, you know, I certainly did a lot of reprioritizing in my life in the last year, I think a lot of us have, but just kind of looking to see how intense I became with just attention to detail and how much of it became less of a, am I helping the kid or am I coming at this from a competition mindset? Am I coming at this from a, this kid's going to an audition. I want him to finish in this spot. I want him to be a step ahead of this kid from the school next door. And I think in some ways that can empower a lot of our students. And we had a lot of success at Paredes. We were able to have kids perform it. We were able to have some individuals perform it at an exceptionally high level. And that's great. But at the same time, it burnt me out. And I think that there are a lot of students that became less about a joy of music and so much more about, okay, I was a millisecond off on this rhythm. All right, that's a problem I've got to fix. And I think where I'm at 
at right now, it feels like I'm getting a little bit more bang for my buck. It feels like the work that I'm doing to help, it has a little bit more of a tangible impact and a direct relationship towards. These are skills that you're gonna carry on to every other class that you do. You need to know how to make a sentence. This is an essential skill that you're gonna carry into everything else. If you don't pick it up, there are gonna be some big, big problems down the pipeline. I can um, relate a lot to what you were just sharing. I mean, it's been a while since I've been the, a band director formally, but I can definitely understand. So Jeffrey, I, I can't remember what you said. Did you start teaching English then in the fall or is this something you transitioned to during this first school year? I, I can't remember what you shared. I started in January. So there was an opening that happened on my campus at the end of the semester. And it was a situation where I talked to an instructional coach on the Thursday before winter break. They talked to the principal on Friday. They talked to HR on Monday. And then I was hired that Tuesday. So it was a very, very quick transfer. Wow. Okay. Um, I had talked, I had talked to my admin uh, over the summer and, you know, they were, they were a part of the process. They understood. So I actually, I started grad school this August through the University of Texas at Arlington. Okay. And I've been working a lot directly with my administration of just through the grad school process. A lot of it has to do with doing practicum on the campus. And so they were aware, you know, that I was possibly looking into this. I had had the conversation back around Memorial Day about what I'd need to do to do it. And so I spent my summer getting a core four through eight certification. That's a really great transition, Jeff, into, you know, like Mark said, going from a very busy position, right, as a middle school band director, and then being able to maybe take a look at or maybe evaluate some of those things that you learned as a band director. I'm wondering if we could kind of shift the conversation that way and maybe just share some things that you've learned over the course of, I think you said, 16 years as, as a band director. And what, what have you been able to take away from that and incorporate that into your English class? I would say the big thing, it was great. Um, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with uh, my teaching partner who, fantastic, fantastic educator. She's in her first year of teaching. You know, I'm in my first semester. And so we were talking a lot about what it would look like in the future. I think one of the biggest things that I pulled was just having a strong sense of structure and just understanding what that looked like. I was a terrible band director for my first couple of years as an educator. I was an awful 24-year-old band director. I didn't really have a sense of purpose. I had a sense of, I know what it sounds like when it's good. I know what it sounds like when it's bad. But in terms of looking at it of, I have three years with this kid. What's a reasonable expectation to get in year one? What do they need to get in year two? And being able to divide it up and look at it structurally. Um, so I think the biggest success that I've had as a band director, what came as a result of being able to build that strong sense of structure and being able to lay out crystal clear, we can get this set of skills with all of our beginner students. They're coming to us from six elementary schools. They have a very varied set of skills that they're coming with. For some of them, this may be the first time that they're getting any sort of a music theory background. They're coming from just a wide set of circumstances. And so being able to find a common baseline and build from there. I think my strongest thing that I'll be able to bring in is going to be building that sense of structure within a language arts classroom where I will say this, I had a pretty awful January teaching. You know, my 
first few classes just learning what the kids were capable of doing. And if I'm asking kids to write paragraphs and they don't know how to write sentences, there aren't going to be paragraphs. There are going to be four bad sentences in a row, sometimes literally the same sentence cut and paste. Hey, mister, is this a paragraph? I've got four sentences here. So being able to look at it in terms of where are you at? How do we build a common baseline of knowledge that we can then, when I'm making statements, everyone understands where I'm at and being able to build up from there. You mentioned teaching partner, I think was the, was the phrase you used. So, and did I understand you right? So this is a novice teacher. She's in her first year of teaching period and you have teaching experience, but you're in your first semester teaching this content area. What did the collaboration look like with the two of you? How does, how is that organized? Do you have PLC time? Do you, if you could share, what, what does that look like on the Paredes campus? Absolutely. Um, so we have PLCs usually twice a week. We have PLCs. We have one common p- conference period. And so we, we have PLCs together with that. It's the two of us as well as we have a very strong instructional coach and so it's a lot of collaborative planning and it's a lot of being able to bounce ideas back and forth so it's a matter of a lot of what we do we don't necessarily use a lot of the district provided curriculum we're doing a lot of kind of building our own to address where our kids are at but it's a very helpful situation because we're able to divide the work up and then share collaboratively between each other but also when we build especially for me when I started it's a lot of I will build a thing I will send it out please give me feedback please tell me what was wrong with it. And then getting back from the both of them, very polite, but hey, this question doesn't make sense. Let's reword it this way. And being able to do, you know, I think a lot of their strengths comes in as far as having a better understanding of the teaks and having a better understanding of taking a two sentence question and making it very specifically teaks oriented and very oriented towards the higher level thinking. I will say that especially with, you know, band, it is very knowledge thin, but skill high. It's a very limited number of skill sets, but just done very, very effectively. And this is a little bit more holistic. This is, there is a vocabulary of thousands of words that we all need to learn and understand. And giving them 10 a week may not necessarily be the best bang for our buck. Um, I should also say, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier, but we also have one of our SPED teachers. We have an ELA SPED specialist who is in our, on our PLCs as well. And she has a very, very strong understanding of the curriculum, very strong understanding of the TEKS. And so we're all able to kind of bring in our own influences and be able to collaborate quite a bit. Yeah. So, and that, that I think is really valuable, Jeff, in, in being able to have those supports on, on a campus. And, and I can certainly understand how, you know, the, the role of the instructional coach and, and what that can look like, you know, for new teachers. And, and of course, you know, teachers like yourself that do have that experience, like Mark said, and then just coming into a different content area. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about specifically your language arts class. And if you can maybe give us like maybe a list of obstacles or challenges that you overcame in this spring semester and um, so what what were those challenges and then how did you overcome? I'd say probably the biggest two that I had would just be an unfamiliarity with the teaks and an unfamiliarity with just a classroom structure where I knew about half of the students coming in so there was enough of that and I've been able to build relationships pretty quickly with some of the students who were new 
new to me. Um, you know, there certainly was a little bit of a struggle with that. But as far as coming in and seeing, like, I hope I'm not speaking too off base here. I hope I'm not too controversial. But music teaks are lovely, but they're not necessarily front and center on a band class. And being able to structure a band rehearsal, I'm not looking at a level of teaks and saying, oh, I didn't hit teak 7C. I need to hit that today. It's very much, again, it, it's very much a skills-based thing. So coming into it thinking of, okay, some of my teaks here are unrelated. I need to be able to address them a little more independently. What does this structure look like? I know exactly what a band warm-up looks like. I can time that down to the second. That's not a problem. But what does an English language warm-up look like? How much time do they need to write a sentence? How much time do they need to write a paragraph? How much time do they need to read this? And it's not the same for every student. Obviously, there's going to be some variance in there. But I'm a very impatient person. I move very quickly. And so having that point where it's, oh my gosh, why aren't you guys done yet? Okay, is this me? Or is this our kids don't understand what to do? Or is this my kid just walked away from his laptop and I don't know we're there? But being able to identify those problems, I'd say that was the biggest obstacle to overcome. And I wouldn't say that there's any sort of a magic bullet or any sort of a like secret that I found. It's just a matter of trial and error. It's a matter of there were a couple of assignments where I would give where my expectation was very thorough and what I got by and large was much short of that and as much as I'd love to look at that and say oh they all just need to work better and then we'll be all set like that's not realistic and so coming at it from the sense of figuring out where their current skill set was and being able to build off of that that was by and large the biggest one um yeah and then just having a classroom structure that is okay how many activities can we fit in a, we have a 90 minute block 60 minutes synchronous 30 minutes asynchronous how much can we reasonably fit within this time how many activities are there figuring out you know how long it takes them to read two pages and annotate and you know jot down a main idea for every paragraph is that something something they can do in 15 minutes or is that something that's going to take closer to 45 minutes to an hour for them to do and if it is that 45 minutes to an hour to do what can I do to help streamline that process what's going to help bring that down a couple of minutes every month so that we're able to fit a little bit more in and we're able to move a little more efficiently so Jeff I know you're very detail oriented and I know you always strive to improve that's part of our nature I think so what are you anticipating needing to do to help be more successful in the fall what are some things i don't you know whether you're doing it plans over the summer or you know when you get back in august what are you looking ahead to trying to set up trying to do trying to uh, establish teacher moves protocols whatever you want to call them to help start the, the classroom in the fall i think probably the biggest thing that's missing right now and i would imagine that this is a pretty common situation is that a lot of what i'm building is more of a one-size-fits-all especially as a band director i had a wide wide variety of skills we had kids who were winning all region auditions and we had kids who were just struggling to stay afloat. We were able to build in a lot of opportunities where it was a here's the baseline expectation, but here's how much you can grow. And there's no real limit to that. But there was structure to help build that. Obviously, there was some independence needed from the students, but I'd say right now, I am needing a lot more independence from my students to be able to hit that higher level. And I don't necessarily have the structures in place to be able to address the variety of learners 
numbers that we have. So I think the biggest thing to be able to look into be, being able to do, and a lot of it still is up in the air of if it's on a virtual call. I think if it's in person, it may be a little bit easier when I'm able to get FaceTime with the individual students without excluding everyone else on the call. Um, I think that will be a little bit easier, but being able to provide opportunities for those students who are taking that, hey, this is a 90 minute assignment. It's taking most of our kids 90 minutes. I can knock this out in like 20 and I can get results without a lot of your instruction. I can do this by myself. Finding authentic ways to be able to not just reward them with time off, but ways to continue to push them. I think for a lot of our students, there is kind of, especially for our virtual students, there is kind of that mindset of, okay, if I get done early, I can log off of the call and I get time for myself to do whatever I can do. That's not going to be present in a classroom there's always going to be that next step to be able to do. So I think being able to find more solutions where it is to continue that process regardless of a student's you know, ability level. I think another big thing that I've discovered, and this was a very big misconception that I had as a band director, I have a lot more freedom in terms of the how I teach as an English language arts teacher. And I think that there's a way to bring a sense of cultural relevance. And I think there's a way to bring a sense of current events into the class classroom in a way that simply wasn't possible when I was doing instrumental music, where it was, as a music teacher, it was, okay, we would pick a piece with some sort of cultural impact, take a day to explain what that was, but then take six, seven weeks to rehearse that. And it's all about notes and rhythms and not about the context behind it and the meaning behind it. As an ELA teacher, there's a lot more that we can bring in. We can talk about social justice. We can talk about current events. And there are ways to directly address the teaks and directly build up our children's skill set while still giving them some sort of an awareness as far as what is going on in the world around us and being able to bring in more of a sense of what our world is, being able to bring in more of a sense of perspective that would necessarily not be there as opposed to just, I'm reading out of a textbook. Uh, and, and that makes perfect sense, Jeff. And, and you know, I, I think going back to Mark's question as well, like there's so many things that I know we can take from this, you know, journey over the last 12 months of being in a pandemic and really looking at the really good things that happened and being able to scaffold and hopefully use some of the same things, you know, in, in the future for the fall. Um, so the last question I have for you today is I'm kind of just curious to hear your thoughts around making that decision of thinking about going back to grad school. And I'm kind of just wondering, like, if you can talk to our audience a little bit about how sometimes when we're in a career and we decide to make a choice and take it in a different direction, what kind of impact has that had on you? now and you think into the future? I would say this is probably one of the most procrastinated decisions I've had in my life. I actually, so I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I went back in 2014 and had a conversation with my high school band director of, hey, I'm thinking about doing a graduate program in educational leadership. What do you think about that? It had always been something in the back of my mind. I think in my own career, I always had a lot in front of me where I worked at a school that I, in Bastrop, I brought their first UIL sweepstakes award. And getting from where the program was to that ability level, that took all of my time. That took before school rehearsals, after school rehearsals, and being able to set that program 
program up so it systemically was able to function. That was a full-time and then some endeavor. My assistant director would routinely stick around till 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night working with students. There wasn't space for anything else in my life at that point. And when it came to Paredes, it was a similar sort of a building. I was very fortunate. I live a lot closer to Paredes, so it was not necessarily an hour and a half of driving in traffic every day. But it was still that every day before school, I would show up at 7.15, 7.20, and I'd have kids waiting at the door for me. Every day, we'd have kids stay after school because you always had that student who said, hey, I'd like to do a little bit more. You had that student who said, you have to come once a week. And then, oh, you showed up four times a week. What can we give you? What extra? And it became kind of an all-consuming sort of endeavor. When the pandemic hit, I got a little bit stuck because there was a point of, I don't know what to do with myself, and I've never really had this pause button before. I fixed every little thing in my backyard. I don't know what else to do. And I had that point where there was just a little bit more space and to start realistically looking into it. And doing so, it's been one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm still putting in that same kind of effort level, but it's through multiple different endeavors. You know, I have three big projects that I'm working on coinciding between my job at Paredes and my grad school program. Um, we have an outdoor classroom that apparently some Eagle Scouts built about 15 years ago. This whole space got totally dilapidated and we sat down, my theater teacher here, who's fantastic, also a first year teacher, she had a little bit of grant money and said, hey, why don't we do something with this? So it's become a Saturday renovation project where it's, we're involving the community. I'm very fortunate to have friends who know how to construct things and landscape. So they show up and tell me to hold things and I pretend like I'm leading the show. But we're able to now have an actual outdoor classroom, which in a COVID situation, I don't want to be around a band recital that's indoors. That is alarming just on, on a biological sort of reasoning. So being able to actually have that outdoor space functional for our kids to use. I've also uh, taken on as a coordinator for our mentor program. And our campus has, I believe it's 17 teachers who are in their first or second year of instruction. So it's been a lot of working with novice teachers. And also being in this situation, there's been a lot of a leveling of the playing field. So it's not necessarily a, oh, let me, let me get the old veteran knowledge out and tell you how things are done so much as it is, okay, you're 24 and understand technology a lot better than I do because I stopped paying attention to that about a decade ago. So you're able to show me programs. You're able to show me an understanding, but being able to tap into that, uh, my principal always calls it just that shared leadership where we have people who don't have the years of experience, but have the knowledge that they're able to actually bring as assets to our campus. And being able to be a part of that, it's allowed me to build relationships with dozens of staff members that I never saw as a band director. I was in my own building. I saw my other band directors. I once in a while saw the orchestra director or the choir director. And that's about it. Like I stayed to myself, I did my own thing. It was very much a leave me alone, let me do what I do sort of mindset. But now I'm able to actually get to know people and see what they're able to bring to the table and see the leadership and the skills that they're able to bring to make our whole campus better. The third project I've done, it's an attendance recovery project. And it's been seeing a very different side of the campus that I never experienced, but seeing, okay, we have a student who hasn't shown up in three weeks. We have called home, 
and the phone number's disconnected. We don't know what to do here. What are our next steps? And taking on a position of being able to not just community outreach to band parents, to, you know, people who are a lot of times willing to be involved and reaching out to me. This is very much a finding those hard to reach parents, finding those hard to reach students and seeing kind of what supports we can offer and going into it, understanding where I come from a place of immense, immense privilege to have a steady job, to have a steady salary during this time and to be reaching out to families that are dealing with some very, very real struggles and to have to have that accountability to try and help find solutions to that, try and help find that, okay, we still need you to go to school, but you're dealing with a level of responsibility that I personally don't ever have to think about, you know, and trying to find solutions to that where it's been a challenge, you know, but it's been a very valuable learning opportunity for me. That's great, Jeff. I always love hearing stories about growth and direction and, and decisions. I appreciate you sharing yours. I'm going to change the subject a little bit here, a little bit off education possibly, and uh, invite you to just don't think real hard about this. Just the first thing that pops into your head. So my first question for you, sir, is when we know the pandemic's over, we know it's safe. We no longer have to distance, no longer have to wear masks. What's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? All my family lives far, far away from Texas. I would like to see them. I, my parents live in Boston, Massachusetts. My one brother lives about a half mile off of Venice Beach. Uh-huh. A very long-standing tradition of I go hang out there. They have an extra bedroom. I get to go spend my day hanging out at a beach. I get to spend my afternoons playing with a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Uh, and I get to go do that for a couple of weeks every year. I haven't been able to do that since Christmas break of 2019. So that is step one of what I'd like to be able to do. Nice. Nice. Okay, next question for you, sir. Your favorite restaurant in Austin? Loro. Where's it, that? It is on South Lamar. It is Tyson Cole, who founded Uchi and Uchiko, partnering with Aaron Franklin of Franklin Barbecue. I think the correct term is Asian fusion, but it's smoked delicious meat and Asian seasonings. It is wonderful. It's not that expensive. Um, it's a pretty relaxed sort of place where you can go. It's open seating. So yes. And that's L-O-R-O? Yes, L-O-R-O. Awesome. Need to check that out. Okay, sir, my last question, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Matt. My last question for you is your favorite place in Austin to get a taco? A Veracruz at Radio Coffee. Um, Okay. Doing grad school at this point means a lot of Saturdays at the coffee shop, and very delicious. Guac, fantastic. Chicken fajita taco, fantastic. I think somebody else mentioned Veracruz as well over there near Manchac and uh, 71, so awesome. All right, so thank you, Jeff. It was incredibly insightful today and wonderful conversation that we've had with you. So to close out our podcast episode today, um, what I want to give you the opportunity to do is just um, say some inspirational words and to our audience. And this can be directed either at the greater Austin ISD community or your campus community. But if you were to just say any uplifting words, um, what would those be? I would say I am very naturally a cynical human being. I generally don't look at things optimistically, but seeing the level of growth and the level of flexibility and the level of adaptability that my coworkers and I, that we've been able to go through over the past, let's call it 13, 13 and a half months at this point, uh, to get a constantly changing set of circumstances and a very, very narrow timeline to be able to do what we have done at this point. I think it's very easy to look at it and say, our kids used to be able to do more, now they're doing less. I think the fact that we as a campus and 
we as a district have been able to assemble what we've done given the circumstances, given the funding, given the timeline. I think it's nothing short of remarkable. And fingers crossed, hopefully we're not out of the woods, but we're getting closer to that direction. And hopefully we're getting closer to that point where we can just go back in a classroom, do our jobs, teach, and do what we're able to do best. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. These podcasts are produced by the Professional Learning Department of the Austin Independent School District. Follow us on Twitter at AustinISDPL. Until next time, stay safe, my friends.